Good morning. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas week. Who's everybody got their shopping done? Everybody? We're all ready. You're all ready for Christmas? Yeah. yeah. Somebody's ready for presents, aren't we? I am. I am too. I don't know about you, but I am too. Hey. Didn't the kids do a great job this morning? Yeah. I could, I could hear them really good. We don't even have like the big choir mic set up for them this year. They just, there's so many of them. You know, they just filled the room with, with great, great music this morning. So, well, um, my name's Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. If this is your first time here with us, welcome. We're so glad you came to worship with us this morning. I see a lot of um, visitors this morning, guests here to see the kids. So, so glad you came to worship and see uh, the, the kids this morning as well, too. We've been in a sermon series looking into the lives of the people that kind of surrounded Jesus when he was born. Looked at Mary, Joseph, and the wise men so far. And um, one of the um, kind of reoccurring themes that we see in the lives of these people is a willingness to give it all to the Lord, a willingness to just lay down their lives to no matter what would, would be the cost, these people would lay their lives um, down for Christ. And today we're going to be looking at the shepherds. Uh, and we're going to find out that they follow suit with Mary, Joseph, and the wise men, that they were willing to give everything to God. They were willing to lay down their lives for God. What would cause somebody to be willing to make that kind of sacrifice, right? I mean, you think about this. We talked about Mary, that she was um, going to have a child by the Holy Spirit, how wild that was. Then you think about Joseph, who was, who was uh, you know, going to be her husband. They were betrothed. We talk about how different that was back then than it is today. It was a contract. It was prearranged marriage by families that came together and determined that this, this marriage would happen. And, you know, to, to call it off would be a, just a, a great disgrace to the families in that time. I mean, Joseph, you know, what would cause him, you know, to lay down his life in that kind of way? And then we looked at the Magi or the wise men last week and how they traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles with lots of people with them, a whole entourage, and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, some of the, the, the most expensive gifts you could offer. They were gifts fit for a king, gifts that would sustain uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, their family for years to come. I mean, just this amazing gift that the wise men would bring. What would cause these people to give such great gifts, to lay down their lives, to be willing to walk in the calling that God had set before them? I would say today one of the biggest things about that would be belief. There was a strong belief in Mary that she was going to to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that she was a virgin that would give birth, that the Messiah had come and she was going to be mom. And Joseph, Joseph believed the same thing, that Mary, his soon-to-be wife, would be pregnant with the Messiah and that he was going to be dad to the Messiah. They laid down their lives because they believed the wise men, the same thing. They traveled from afar, hundreds of miles, making this trip in months, bringing great gifts, expensive gifts, because they believed. Belief is a funny thing, man. I mean, it will cause you to do things you never thought you would ever do. Belief. You guys remember um, the, uh, that old mo movie, uh, Karate Kid? 
Now, I'm not talking about the TV show. I'm talking about like a long time ago. I'm dating myself just a little bit, right? That, that 80s movie, The Karate Kid, you had Daniel and Mr. Miyagi, this, this kind of mysterious guy who was like a ninja. And you had Daniel who was getting bullied all around and Mr. Miyagi comes to the rescue and does his ninja moves and everything. And, and Daniel's like, man, I, I want to be like this guy. This guy, he's powerful, man. He's, he protected me. I'm, I'm going to go study under him and I'm going to be a ninja. So he goes to Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi goes and says, hey, you need to wax on. You remember? Wax on, wax off, right? Wax on, wax off. And he, he has all of these cars that, that, that Daniel's supposed to wash and clean and wax on and wax off. And he, he washes all of Mr. Miyagi's cars, and I'm thinking, why would you do this? And then he trims all the bushes, and he paints the fence, right, up and down here, up and down like this. And, and Daniel gets kind of sick of it. He's like, I'm just doing all this guy's yard work. I'm just cleaning this guy's cars. He, he believed at first, you know, that, that, he had, that Mr. Miyagi had something powerful for him, that he was going to become a ninja by studying under this guy, right? But he just ends up washing his cars, painting his fence doing those little trees. And then he just confronts Mr. Miyagi. He's like, come on, man. I thought you were gonna teach me to be some super ninja that I'd be able to protect myself. And Mr. Miyagi kind of pushes him and, and says, wax on. And he tries to punch him and Daniel waxes on. And then he tries to punch me and he wax off, wax off. And he blocks all these punches and all these kicks. And all of a sudden, the light bulbs go off in Daniel's head. And he, he's like, this is it. He's teaching me to be a ninja. I am a ninja. And he believed that Mr. Miyagi could give him something that could give him power. And he was willing to do whatever it would take. Paint the fence. Do all the yard work. Wash all the cars. You see, Daniel didn't know the end. Mr. Miyagi could see that for Daniel to build up these muscles to block punches and, and to build up these muscles to do the different moves and punches, he would have to work really hard for a long time to do all these things. And Daniel didn't get it. He didn't know that. But Mr. Miyagi saw it. He saw the process. He saw the work. He knew because he'd been there, he had done that. And you know, we believe, as Christians, we believe we're celebrating the coming Messiah. And we believe that he has something for us, something powerful, something life-changing. And we believe it. When we meet Christ, and he comes into our lives, and he opens our eyes to the sinfulness in our hearts, and he opens our eyes to his power, his goodness, his love for us, it changes us. We go from darkness to lighter. As God's word says, he takes a heart of stone out of our chest and replaces it with a heart of flesh that is soft and receives the truth of his word. But life gets hard. We're washing cars. And we're painting fences. We're like, this is hard stuff. You know, Mary knew that she was going to raise the Messiah, but I'm sure it was hard. I'm sure it was tough. And we need those reminders. We need those reminders that God is powerful, that God is good, that God loves us. You know, we, each of us, and maybe, maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, but if you are here today and you have a relationship with Jesus, there was a time, a moment in your life where God opened your eyes, 
revealed himself to you and changed your life. It's those kinds of moments that we hold on to, that we store in our hearts and in our minds and our memories and we go back to and look upon when time gets hard, when we're painting the fence and when we're washing the cars and we're going about the hard work of life. The Bible calls it progressive sanctification. That basically means that God is changing us and growing us as we grow in more and more relationship with him. We look back at those times, those marked times where God made himself real to us and opened our eyes. Man, as we look at this, this moment, the birth of Christ and the shepherds were there, this is a marked moment. Not just for Mary and Joseph. Not just for shepherds who came. But for you and for me. Christmas is a marked time for you and me. The coming of our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This Christmas, let's remember that miraculous coming. Now we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to pray for us before we jump into this text this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of faith, the gift of belief. And Father, as we open your word this morning, we pray that your truth would sink down deep into our hearts. By the power of your spirit, Lord, we pray that you would bring understanding to our minds, belief and faith in our hearts, God, that you would do what only you can do in, in us. Come and be God here in our midst as we worship you, as we kneel before you. Father, I pray that you would use me this morning for your kingdom and for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. God's word for us today. Now, the first thing I, I, I want to draw your attention to in this text, and it's the first fill-in in your notes. As you came in, you should have received a little program, and you can follow along in there and fill in these blanks. The first one is this. God sends word to shepherds. 
to shepherds. Now, last week, we looked at the, the wise men or, or the magi. Now, the, the wise men were these wealthy magi. They, they were the guys that the kings around that time would seek out. They would seek out the magi, look for wisdom from the wise men. They were wealthy guys. They, they were somebody that everyone looked up to in the time. They were, they were the guys to go to. This week, we have the shepherds. Shepherds weren't those kinds of guys, right? The shepherds were out in the field. They were getting dirty with the flocks. Most of the time it was sheep, you know. They were doing their thing. They weren't the guys that kings were after, looking after. But these were the guys that would first go and see Jesus. Now this is, this, this blows my mind. And, 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 and this kind of thing happens over and over again in the scripture. You have the wise men now, they came to see Jesus probably when he was two, two or three years old later on. The shepherds were there, right there at the birth of Christ. And I, I don't know what it is about God that he chooses some of the lowliest people to reveal some of the greatest truth. That God would think of us, you and me. I mean, I'm sure, think about this. <laughs> the shepherds are out in the field, minding their own business. They're just watching their sheep. They're really nobodies. Nobody knows them. They're just doing their thing. Lowly, lowly people, if they were on the, the caste system of the day, at the bottom tier, kind of like the fishermen or something, minding their own business. An angel comes to them and says, hey, you, you, you don't know what's happening, but the Messiah's come. They have this, this interaction. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? These shepherds would be like, listen, I know. I, I hear what you're saying, but we're just shepherds. We're of no account to men. I mean, surely, surely you could find a Pharisee or something. I mean, somebody that somebody respects, you know? I mean, you could give us this word, you know, and, and we could go tell people they won't believe us. We're just shepherds, you know. And I, but we see this kind of thing happen over and over again in Scripture. Moses. You remember the story of Moses? He's supposed to lead God's people out of Egypt. Moses is like, you got the wrong guy. I'm not your guy. I have a speech impediment. I have a problem communicating. You don't want me to go and tell Pharaoh to let your people go. I'm not the guy. Sure, there's this other guy. Aaron, he's great. There's these other, there's other guys. Surely there's somebody else. What about David? King David. You remember when the prophet goes to anoint the new king? He goes to David's dad and, and David brings out all of David's brothers and doesn't even mention David. Right? That's how much his dad thought of him, right? He doesn't even tell, tell the prophet about David. And the prophet goes, Surely there's got to be somebody else. Surely there's somebody else. He says, well, my youngest, he's, you know, I put him with the sheep, you know. He's out in the field. Bring him here. What would happen if these, you know, what we call great men of God, right? If we know it's the great God of man. What if they, what if they would have just said, you know what, you know what, Lord, I, <laughs> you, got, you got the wrong guy. I'm just going to go back to minding my own business, tending to the sheep, doing my thing. This 
this is all over scripture because I really truly believe that God uses the least of these to confound the wise, to just blow the minds of the strong. And one of the things I really want us to grasp about this story in scripture, the story of the shepherds, is that God can use and will use and does use anyone for his glory and through his power. Because when it's all said and done, it's not about us getting glory for the things that we've achieved in our own strength and in our own power. It is about the things that God achieves in his strength and his power. And when he uses people like David, who was a murderer, who was a shepherd boy, who had, was an adulterer and had made all kinds of mistakes, when he uses people like Moses who says, no, not me, Lord, somebody else, I can't even talk right. When he uses someone like shepherds, he's saying he wants to use you. Because it's not about how, how good you are at something. It's not about all the things that you know and that you can just pour out of the wisdom and the depths of your knowledge. It's not about everything you can achieve because you can strategize and, and quantify all these different things. No, it's about what God wants to achieve in and through you through his power. So that when it's all said and done, you're not looking back on your life going, man, I'm so glad I did that you know what, I'm really awesome. I'm just really great. I got a list of things. I got a, a trophy case. I'm like the best soccer player ever. No, no. We serve a God who does amazing things through the lowliest and just just blows the minds of those who think they're powerful. And God wants to use you. And I, you may have just heard that and you're just like, whoa, 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 wait, pastor. No, 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 I was just here to see my grandkids this morning. Uh, you know, I, I'm just minding my own business. I, you know, I, I'm retired. I, I, you know, I, I got some things I'm gonna do. I'm gonna head to Florida in a couple weeks. It's surely there's somebody else. Surely there's somebody else. No. God has a destiny and a plan set aside for you. And it's not just some willy-nilly plan he just pulls out of the sky. It's a plan that he's had set in place since before time began, before he spoke light into existence. He knew your name. He knew that you'd be here right now. He knows the plans that he has set before you. They are good for you to do. And it is not by happenstance you're hearing this. It is by God's will and sovereignty that he is calling you into something great. He's calling you into relationship with him. And when we're in relationship with him, we don't live normal lives. We live world-changing lives because the very spirit of God lives in us. And he changes the things we do. He changes the things we say. He changes the way we react. And he's calling you into that kind of relationship. God sent word two shepherds. Man. You know what? Nothing we do in God's kingdom happens apart from faith. The shepherds believed 
They were walking into something life-changing. Mary believed she was walking into something world-changing. Joseph believed he was walking into something world-changing. What do you believe? What do you believe about this Christmas? What do you believe about the birth of Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the one set beforehand, prophesied about thousands of years before his coming? What do we believe? The second thing I want to pull out here is what Mary did. When these shepherds come and they share what the angel had told them, man, there's something about the ladies in the Bible. They just get it. You know, we read through the Esther, and I mean, I love these stories, but Mary gets it. I mean, she gets it on a level that's just so good. The second film is this, all wondered, but Mary treasured. All wondered, but Mary treasured. God's word makes us wonder sometimes, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but I read God's word and I believe about him. I, I, I believe that, that he's sovereign, that he's in control of all things, that he's all powerful, that he's all knowing, that he is apart from, from humanity, that he he's, sits high on his throne. But at the same time, he's interested in our lives and interested in what we do. And he doesn't leave us to our own devices, but walks with us, that his spirit lives in us, that he's our comforter, that he, I believe these things about him. But but then sometimes I look at the world and it makes me wonder, right? You're like, what? Are you sure, God? <laughs> Have you ever said that? You're like, you're, you're just living out your life and you come across like a really hard scripture you're reading and you're just like, ooh, are you sure? I mean, it's 2021. Are you sure, God? I mean, can I read that out loud in church? <laughs> right? It makes us wonder sometimes. And anyway, there's mysteries about God and his power and about time and, and, and creation and all these mysterious, the Trinity, that he's, he's one God, he's three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, these mysteries that surround this, this God that we serve. And it, it makes us wonder in our minds. We, we love to think creatively and philosophically and theologically and try and wrap our minds around this, this all-consuming God who loves us and, and wants to be in relationship with us. And God's, God makes us wonder sometimes. Wondering is okay. It's okay to think through these things and, and look into the mysteries of who God is and, and how he interacts with humanity and what that means for us today. It's okay to wonder, but it's a gift to treasure. It is a gift to look at the truths of his word and just hold them tightly in your heart believing them with great faith and treasuring them like they are the gift that they are. Mary treasured. It's not that Mary didn't think about it. It says she pondered it as well, but she treasured these things up. This was going to be one of those moments I was talking about. This was, this was one of those marked times in her life that she would look back on and know that she knows that she knows this is a God thing. That was a God moment, and it's something I'm going to hold in my heart. I'm going to treasure for the rest of my life that God is in control. 
He holds my today, my yesterday, and my tomorrow. We all know that there are going to be times in our lives that it seems that God's not in control. Things that don't seem to add up in our limited understanding, and it's in those times that we have been pondering and storing up. It's in that moment that we think back to those times that we pondered and stored up. That was the God moment in my life, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. When the pressure of life comes, this is why this, is, this treasuring idea is so important. When the pressures of life come and encroach upon us, I talk about it in counseling, I talk about it like, like squeezing an orange. When you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Orange juice, no trick question, yeah, right? Orange juice, right? When you squeeze an orange, you don't get apple juice. You don't get lemonade. You get orange juice. Because an orange grows on an orange tree. And they're amazing, actually, by the way. Have you ever been to Arizona and seen an orange tree and grabbed an orange off an orange tree? Totally different than oranges at Mark's. Just saying. Just saying. It's a totally different experience. No, it grows on an orange tree. It's fertilized and watered and cared for in an orchard somewhere, and it's an orange tree. Really, what I'm trying to say is, what are we storing up in our hearts? What are we treasuring in our hearts right now? Because when the pressures of life come, and they will come, and it squeezes us, and that pressure encroaches on us, what's going to come out? Because those things that we ponder, those things that we treasure, the things that we're holding on to, looking to, that's what's going to come out. What are we storing? What are we looking to? Are we storing up? Are we treasuring those God moments? Or are we, are we distracted? Are we distracted with what this life is bringing into to our world? What we're dealing with at work? Maybe with the busyness of the holiday and trying to get things done. Maybe it's that new season of life. You've just had a baby and man, it's just crazy. Or maybe you just graduated college, started your first job, or maybe you just retired. Maybe we're caught up in all these different things. Where do we go to? Where are we investing our time? Is it in God's word? Is it, is, is it in developing and growing and and investing in the relationship that we have with God? Because when the pressures of life come and we get squeezed and, and pushed upon whatever we've been treasuring, whatever has our hearts will start to come out. You know, relationships, our relationship with God is very similar to like, like our marriages. And I tell married couples, I say, your marriage is either growing and, and getting better and better as you invest in it, or it is deteriorating. There's, there's no such thing as just a flat line, stabilized, nothing happening marriage. Relationships don't work that way. 
You either invest in them and work on them. It's kind of like the grass at our house. You can water it and you can fertilize it and you can mow it and, and care for it and take care of the weeds and get it out of there and your grass is going to be great and full and green and, and vibrant or it will be brown and dead. Our marriages, these relationships, investing in them and working on them constantly the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you fertilize it. And that's our relationship with Christ. We can't take it for granted. It's, it's not one of those relationships that happen on an, for an hour on Sunday morning. It is constant communion. It's walking in relationship with God. It's praying without ceasing. I love how the, the scriptures talk about that. It's not that you're on, in your prayer closet 24-7, but that we live out our lives in constant communion with God. God, what would you have me do today? Waking up in the mornings and, and praying, Lord, what do you have for me today? I know I'm going to work at 7. I'm going to be at work. Lord, what would you have me do? How can, how can I glorify you at work today? How can I glorify you at lunch today? How can I glorify you this afternoon? What does, what does my life look like if, if I actually live my life set apart, set aside for God, that, that he's my focus, that it's not just some Sunday one-hour meeting. It's not just that, but it's this real relationship where I'm in a constant conversation with God, concerned about what he would have me do, how he would be glorified through my life. This selfless laying down of our lives set apart for him. Romans 12.1, I want to turn there and read it for us. Because it's just, it's too good not to read. It's not in my notes, but let's just go there, right? I promise I'm going to have you out of here by 4 o'clock and you'll be fine. I'm just, I'm just kidding, sort of. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Can I appeal to you this morning? I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, God's word, when we talk about relationship with him, he talks about sacrifice. That's what relationship with God means according to scripture. I don't know if you caught it in there or not, but live your lives as a living sacrifice? Ew. It sounds really nice and poetic as we read it, but if you really think about what that means, sacrifice talks about pain and suffering. I mean, sacrifice, you want to you give up something, you want to take something away, you talk about sacrifice, it's, that is, that is, there's some suffering in there. The Christian life is, is us laying down our lives for Christ. Wow, why? Why would we do that? How could anybody do that? The answer is found at the foot of the cross. We get a glimpse of the cross at the manger. The Messiah had come. And all the prophecies that he fulfilled just by arriving are miraculous. But by his arriving and fulfilling those prophecies, we know the other prophecies that were given would come to pass. That he would be rejected by his own people. 
that he would be the suffering servant. That he came, he was born in a manger, and like those kids said in the video, it was scratchy and itchy. <laughs> and it was. No crib for a king, a manger. Why would Mary, Joseph, the wise men, the shepherds, why would anyone give everything for him? Because he would give and has given everything for me and for you. The Bible says that God so loved the world, he so loved us, that he gave his only son. I'm sorry I wouldn't give my son for you. Let's be honest. I wouldn't give Noah for you. I love him. But he sent Jesus to die for me and you. That's belief. That's the truth. That's what would cause Mary to give her life. That's what would cause Joseph to give his life. That's what caused the wise men to bring everything they had. That's what caused these shepherds to run to a manger. And you know what they did in the last filling is this, is the shepherds witnessed and worshiped. They witnessed the coming king with their own eyes and their own experience. And they went out to the world and they said, you're not going to believe who's here. You're not going to believe what's just happened. The one who's been prophesied about, the one we've been waiting for, the one who has brought hope to everyone is here. The shepherds witnessed and that witness became their testimony and a witness to the rest of the world. The shepherds witnessed and they worshiped. We find it in verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That's what it says. They were moved to worship. Just like the wise men came from afar to worship, the shepherds came from nearby to worship Jesus. And then they left worshiping him and that worship overflowed into sharing it with others. It says they returned to their city, to their village. They were glorifying and praising God. I'm sure everybody in their towns that they went to, like, what are you rambling on about? What are you talking about? I mean, aren't you supposed to be watching the sheep? <laughs> what happened to you out in the fields today? Are you guys okay? This was the opportunity to share the miraculous encounter that they had had. Let that sink in just a minute. This was the opportunity for them to share the miraculous encounter that they had. Worship. Worship cannot be confined to these four walls. It can't. When we encounter the creator of the universe, you gotta tell somebody. You gotta say something. You have to do something. That is what happens. In, in this, this moment, in these times, when we gather as a church together, brothers and sisters in Christ, with the purpose of glorifying and praising God, we come and we sing these songs and we open his word and we worship him and we give him glory and we give him honor and we give him praise. God is here with us. He is always with us. He never leaves us. His spirit lives in you, believers, brothers and sisters. When we encounter the king, 
we tell the world of what we've witnessed. When we witness God, we worship God, and then our worship of God becomes a witness to others. That's a tongue twister, isn't it? Let me say it again. When we witness God, we worship God, and then our worship of God becomes a witness to others. I wonder what our lives would look like if we did that. It's a challenge. You know, it is a challenge to keep our minds and our hearts focused on God in the chaos of Christmas time and New Year's and all the, the Thanksgiving time, the holiday season, the busyness of life. I mean, it's hard enough when we just live out our normal lives of Mondays 9 to 5, right? Monday through Friday 9 to 5 and get caught up in work and work relationships and trying to make ends meet. It's, it's easy to get caught up into those things and, and forget the real miracle that we've experienced and that we get to experience every day because of who God is and what he's done for me and you. Mission View Church, God is calling us to something deeper. He is calling us to something greater. He is calling you to something better. And it is a fervent, exciting relationship with your creator. Growing deeper and deeper in knowledge of him, in knowledge of his word, in worship of him. I, I, Mission View, I want our church to be, our, our worship to be passionate worship. I want us to be borderline charismatic. Yes, I said it. I mean, you go to those charismatic churches and they're, I mean, they're raising their hands and shouting for joy, you know? And I think I said it just a few weeks ago, the deeper our understanding of God, the more solid our theology, the more passionate our worship should be. I really believe that. I truly believe that. When we recognize what God has done for us, we have to praise him. We have to praise him and give him glory because he is God. He is set apart and there's no one like him. No one. You may be here for your first time or watching online for your first time. You're like, this guy is crazy. What is he talking about? I want you to know this, that there is a God. He created all things. He is all powerful, all knowing, ever present, and he knows your name. And he's asking you, he's inviting you into relationship with him because he loves you. And his mercies are amazing and his grace is unexplainable. He has a place for you. He has a destiny for you. We believe that because we've experienced that. We believe that because we read it in his word. We believe that because it's historical fact. We believe that because there's supernatural things that this has prophesied over thousands of years that have come to pass and will come to pass. God loves you. And he says, turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your sin. Find forgiveness in the person of Jesus Christ and put your trust in him. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you and I can't live. And then he died the sinner's death that you and I deserve. But praise God, he rose the third day from the grave, defeating death and sin for me and you. And now all who would believe in him by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone can be in right relationship with their creator. 
and have an eternal relationship in heaven with God. He's calling you into that relationship. And this Christmas, that's what we celebrate. That's what we believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the truth of your word. And Father, as we look back at history and we see Mary and Joseph, wise men, the shepherds, Father, we remember and we believe that Jesus was your one and only son who came and died and made a way for us, rose again, and now sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us and making a place for us in eternity with you. And he will come back one day. And oh, what a glorious day that will be for all those here who are even now putting their faith and trust in you for their salvation, for their eternity. God, I pray that this would be a marked moment in their life, a moment they know that they know that they know they have met God. And Father, for us who walk with you each day, God, I pray for more and more of you, that you would open our eyes to even deeper truths of your word, that you would draw us in closer to you. And this Christmas, we would celebrate Christmas we would celebrate Christ. We give you all the praise and glory and honor. Come and have your way in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song.